And now, tonight's presentation. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. This is uh, Sheridan. And Chelsea. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) We introduced each other? That's a new one. This is a a beautiful start to a beautiful relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Flick Chicks. This Uh, is uh, episode four. Um, We're doing the movie Contact. Yes. Uh, This this movie was the first adaptation of Carl Sagan's novel Contact. Uh, The the book was actually written by Carl Sagan and and his wife, which I did not, I had no idea, actually. I, did, I had no idea this movie was based on a Carl Sagan book. Neither did I, until uh, my father told me that the whole movie was based off of a book. And uh, speaking of my father, his name's Dean Annist. He's actually a guest on this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dad, Ooh, if you'd hi. like to introduce yourself. Here I am. <laughs> Here, this yes. is what you get. <laughs> um, the movie itself was directed by Robert... Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis. Yep. And that's why uh, Sheridan the Brain <laughs> just said his last name, because I would have butchered <laughs> that completely. <laughs> uh, the movie itself is starring Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Jodie Foster plays uh, Dr. Eleanor Arroway, and uh, Matthew McConaughey is Father Palmer Joss. Palmer Joss. Palmer That's Palmer. a weird name. <laughs> um, they don't, you know, they really don't call him father throughout the movie, but he is... Or like, technically was, a priest? Yeah, he was technically a priest. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this, this is uh, my... Favorite movie of all time. We did my favorite movie, and now we're doing mine. (laughs) Um, This this uh, this movie was uh, so sentimental, so close to my heart because of my dad. Uh, We we both shared such a a love for space and the unknown, and you know science, science, yes, in general, (laughs) Um, and. It's just one of those films that captivates you from start to finish. Totally. Um, starting off, one of the coolest, most memorable things of this movie for me was the very beginning. Yeah, and the that, very opening that scene. That is a huge thing for me mm-hmm. is, you know, captivate. You have at least 10 seconds to catch my, catch my, I almost said catch my drift. <laughs> Hey, catch my drift. Um, but it starts out uh, like a satellite almost is circling the earth. Right. And it's starting out with all of the relevant music playing, like, uh, you know, the, all the spice all the radio waves. And, yeah. yeah, all the radio waves. And, and it starts pulling back. And as you pull back, it's going back in time. And that's relative space as it is. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way that the waves go out is it, it kind of goes back in time. So, you know, you start from back then when it was like the Spice Girls and stuff like that. It pulls back to, you know, Elvis. And, and then it goes back to hearing um, a radio waves before... Bef- before TV. Before TV. Yeah. And, you know, it goes all the way back. And then you start hearing sounds. Uh, like sound waves, not not music in general, uh, but just and this sets up the premise for the whole movie. For the whole, yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's pulling out, it's going past all of this, all of our planets and and everything, and then it pulls out of our galaxy, and then it starts going through nebulas and right. quasars and and all of this stuff, space matter, and everything's silent. You can't hear anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And then and, it's all visual at that point. Yep. So yeah. now we're seeing galaxies, you know. And for, and, globular galaxies. And for 1997, it looks <laughs> it looks really really good. Yeah. It was beautiful. Uh, just just to see. I, I don't know. I I thought it, yeah. Just like you said, the graphics were they caught my attention immediately. Yeah. But as it's pulling out, it's pulling and pulling and pulling, and then it pulls out and shows the eye of Eleanor, Ellie, as a child. Yeah. And she's with her dad. And um, at, at this point, she's with her father, Theodore Arroway. Uh, uh, and he, he is actually David Morse, Morsey or Morse? I don't know how to say his last name. Morse. 
Morse. Um, and they're on a radio transmitter uh, trying to see how far communications would go. Shorewave radio band. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's going, you know, CQ, CQ, this is <laughs> W9GFO. Right. <laughs> and she's trying to get back, you know, somebody to reply to her because back then, I mean, still, still to this day, if you're on one of those transmitters, you can get back someone, like a trucker, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that coincidentally is who she pulled. She pulled a trucker who was in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah. And um, and she's got a map on her wall of, of the United States, or the world, actually. And she's got little pins to where she's pulled frequencies from. Mm-hmm. She's made contact with people who have listened. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and so um, when... Uh, when this is happening, she's sitting with her dad, and and at this point, it's just her and her dad. Um, at this point, you think, yeah, the mom's probably passed away, and um, and Ellie's sitting there thinking, you know, can we contact aliens? And her dad's going, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, if we had a big enough satellite. And then she sits there and she goes, can we can we contact mom? And you know, uh, mm-hmm. her dad's sitting there, and he's like, you know what? I don't know if they make an antenna big enough like that. Right. But if it was just us, that'd be a that'd be a pretty big waste of space. Yeah, totally. And that sets it off for her. That was it. She she went to bed, and you know, her dad thought she was asleep. She gets back up and gets back on the transmitter and starts calling out again, and that sets it all up for her. She's uh she uh t- basically starts out in um. Where was it? Uh, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yeah. At a huge... Um, well, she makes she tries to make contact, and she, she realizes she doesn't have a big enough tenant. Yeah. So yeah. when she gets to be, uh, you know, aged, she's in that location, and she's ready to, you know, make contact. And, yeah, she works for the SETI program. The, um, right. Yeah, the search, search for extra, for extra, extra yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> she, that's her, that's her job. She wants, she wants to make contact. You know, she's listening for, for anything. Um, and she's kind of not taken very seriously by the science community. Um, no one really, you know, listening for alien life. That sounds crazy, you know. And that's what she does. She sits at a computer and she listens to, to radio waves, um, that are different, but she's, she, at this point, she has pinpointed so many different stars and planets that are Mm -hmm. emitting these frequencies Mm -hmm. and in the computer system they can jot them down like this is sr22 sr22 (laughs) i don't know if any of you know what an sr22 is but that is not what i'm talking about (laughs) the pulsar is a dying star Yeah. yeah so so that's what she does you know and and like Sheridan said, they don't really take her seriously. And, um, she's got a small group of like friend scientist friends who are helping her out, but yeah. really every, everybody outside of that is kind of looks at her like she's a crackpot, you know, like she has these weird theories and exactly. you know, you're never going to find anything in this lifetime, you know? Right. And she loves her job, but at the same time she's, she feels the pressure and stuff. So she goes out, gets a drink and is doing her studies and she meets, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, known oh, yeah. as, uh, what's his name? Palmer. Palmer, Palmer Joss. And they're at a bar, and he's just, like, checking her out. Like, <laughs> you're like, oh, man. He was, he was smoking hot back then. I mean, yeah. He's smoking hot now. That's true. He's still smoking hot. That's <laughs> true. <don't> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. So he's, he's a writer, and he's in Puerto Rico writing about the SETI program, right? right. Or yes. something. And, uh, and they meet and they talk a little bit and he's trying to get an interview with David Drumlin, who's like the guy that's funding this program. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh yeah, I, I know that guy. I could probably, you know, whatever, get you an interview with him. Yep. David Drumlin, he's the, he's the actual president's science advisor. So he's huge in this, um, in, in this, uh, story. Yeah. In the story, <laughs> because, um, like we know he's the one who's funding currently right. this this project um so he's having a get together and stuff and and coincidentally uh Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey I do that a lot <laughs> jump around with their names um they meet up with uh Drumlin at this event and that's where Nellie <laughs> finds out that uh Palmer is a priest yeah. and she she's just like what well, you the can call fuck? me a man of the cloth without, without the cloth, the cloth. <laughs> Um, but she, but what, what I love about this part is yes, she's so big on science, but even though she found out that he was a priest, she's still, she's still in him. Oh, she, they, she, oh, they oh, still smashed. Like. Yeah, dude, they smashed. And well, that's a big challenge for her. 
because she's always had conflict with mm-hmm. metaphysical things versus scientific things. Right. Exactly. And and at that moment, she kind of, you know, it's just her and Palmer and they're sitting together and discussing, you know, what, why, what she does. And the same exact thing that her father said, Palmer says. And, it, you know, oh, yeah. if it is just us, that'd be a pretty big waste of space. And she just looks and at she's him like, like, do me We're now. We're going to Do me now. So, <laughs> so, but then we, but then it's revealed that David Drumlin is pulling funding. Completely. He's going to pull the funding for this SETI program. He, because he, I mean, he has absolutely no faith in it at all and no faith in um, Dr. Arroway and basically tells her, like, your, your reputation is going to be ruined if you keep on with this and it it's won't be so, published yeah it won't be you taken won't, seriously right and and you know he's trying to to almost protect her at the same time because he does believe in her work but he's just total douche at this point just i'm gonna pull funding blah 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 so at this point she she's a she's a fighter she doesn't want to quit <laughs> and she she's needs, not going to no. she's like okay i'll get the money from someone else she needs to find funding so she goes to this uh company um, Haddon Industries. S.R. Haddon. And that's who she's asking for funding from. And she puts on this big presentation and basically says, you know, did you, did you guys, you know, you thought it was impossible when two guys said that they could fly. Yeah. But guess what happened? They flew yeah. and we have airplanes and stuff like that. You know, you think that things can't happen, but if you believe, if you truly believe in the work, you know, yeah, moves he, are going to be made. Right. And and the the people who she's sitting in front of, they're kind of not taking her seriously mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And the they get a call on the phone and it's SR Haddon and himself. He's himself yeah. and he mm-hmm. gives her the money she's asking for. You have your money. So they relocate to the VLA in New Mexico, which is a real um, very large array. Very large array. They have yeah. t-shirts, you know, that say very large array. <laughs> Which, which is funny because my wife has one and she didn't get the, you know. The significant. Yeah, she, oh. didn't, she didn't really realize that. She, she's all scientific, so she's wearing this, you know, very large array T-shirt and she's walking around and I go, do you know what that means? She's like, yeah, it's in New Mexico. I'm like, no. Oh, my God. No, that's perfect. Like, the, I I didn't realize when I, when I was younger that this these places actually exist in the world and the arrays very well known. It's mm-hmm. one of the biggest in in uh in America yeah. from what I'm aware of. But um just as a visual for people who have not seen this movie, it's like a bunch of satellites one after another but, and row after row and you can yeah. control them all by a computer. Yeah. yeah. Tell them to face this way, they all move that way. Yep. It's just one of those things. And um so, so for so for 4 years She's set up in this place and, like, does incredible work. Um, and her team comes with her. Right. But they still haven't found anything. Nothing. Four years later. So now they're in the same position where people are starting to get angry and they're starting mm-hmm. to kind of doubt this entire endeavor. And Drumlin is part of that. Right. Yeah. He, he didn't she go anywhere. She thinks it's a personal vendetta that he's a part of this, but they're trying to snub her again. Right. Right. So, so uh, Nellie goes out into the desert and she's just exhausted and is like, you know, what am I, what am I going to do? And she sits on this, uh, kind of like a Canyon top and oh, she's yeah. feeling through the dirt and she's just like, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here. I'm going to sit on the top of my car and I'm going to, I'm going to just listen. Cause that's what she does. That's what she does to calm herself, to mm-hmm. make herself feel, you know, honed in and, you see it's close there's a there's a visual and it's closing up on her face and you hear the slightest sound coming it, from her headphones yeah and it almost sounds like a like a pulse maybe yes, or like that's a perfect something. example something and and it, it starts gets, out subtle and yeah, it gets yeah. larger and heavier it gets heavier and heavier and her eyes her bright blue eyes just shoot slowly open. open yes and she and she's like and you know she has heard something that she's never heard before. Yes, she's. I've got goosebumps right now thinking about it. She she's freaking out. And she's like, "This is it." You know, she gets in her car and she's on the walkie back to her the people back at base, and she's going, "Get this on." You know, get the get the yeah. get the speakers out. Yep. Get all the computers on. Like, here are the coordinates. Like, you need to get this pulled. So you know, there's only two people back at the office, and they're freaking the fuck out, trying <laughs> to get everything situated, pulling the speakers out, like getting this sound to where they can hear it and and measure it on all levels because 
None of them have heard this before. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they get back to the office and they pull it up and all of a sudden, you know, jo- jo- Jody, Nellie gets into the office and it stops. It's like, do you hear it? Do you hear it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It stops. And then she's, you can feel her heartbreak at that moment, like it's gone. It, it's yeah, never yeah. coming back. And then it pulses. And what happens is, is it's starting to pulse in odd numbers. In prime numbers. In pri- sorry, yes. Yeah, prime numbers. That's significant. It is, yeah. because in as math. we all know, the universal language is mathematics. Yep. You can be anywhere in the in the universe, but if you can do math, if you can understand the the mathematical equations you can literally speak in math <laughs> so they they figure out that this signal is coming from the star system vega yes. which is 26 light years away 26 light years which yep is relatively close what, yeah relatively close right. um and so they get really excited they start to try to decode this kind of you know prime number language that has been sent to them and one of the one of the main um co-workers of hers i i forgot his name and i do you remember his name no i no. can see him he's blind and that's, I was that's gonna, yeah I was gonna oh, ask oh if yeah, yeah, blind. yeah 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 he's blind um so that that i love in itself because he he, he can, hear. can hear you know mm-hmm. so, like better than any of us can mm-hmm. and he realizes this sound has structure. Has structure. Yeah. And Digital structure. So he's like, give me a TV. They plug it in. And at first, what you can see is this kind of grayed out black. It doesn't uh, look like much of anything. No, really. it doesn't. He says, pull out. Pull out of the video. So it pulls back. And you can see it's a schwatstika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schwarzstika. It's a fucking schwatstika. And it pulls out. And, <laughs> <laughs> and what you can see is it's actually, um, it's Hitler. It's a video. Of the 1936 Olympics. Yes. In Berlin. Which was in the Berlin. very first TV signal that went out, out of our atmosphere. Yeah. Right. And and what they end up finding out through this video, because at first, it, it, you know, the <laughs> uh, Drumlin and his little military fuck. Um, Kids. Yeah, Kits. Is that yeah. his name? Yeah. National Security Advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, get me the give me the president. Right. Because at that point, all you can see is a video of Hitler that got sent that back to us. <laughs> yeah, he the first thing he thinks is uh we're we're is gonna, hostile. Yeah, we're gonna get attacked. Yeah. Well what they end up finding out is that there is not only structure to the audio, which is video, but there's structure to the video, Itself, which is yeah. data. It's three layers of crazy looking data but it's actually um uh instructions and schematics yeah it's schematics engineering schematics and nelly this whole time is trying her damnest to find out what it means she's taking the the three images and she's putting them together and nothing adds up and she doesn't get it and the last thing she does is she goes into her room and she gets a uh a notification like a message from from sr Haddon. And he wants to meet with her. So she, she actually meets him on a private jet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's the craziest. The craziest thing is that this guy has been watching her since she was a child. Oh, yeah. He's, he knows everything about her. He knows how her father died, knows how her mother died, knows what she did when she was growing up in school. And mm-hmm. he's showing her pictures and stuff. And she's just sitting there in shock. What am I doing here? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And, and what he does is he says, he says I've I have had a lot of enemies over the years, but I was a hell of an engineer. He says, maybe I can put you back in the game. Yeah. She didn't think she was out of this game. Because at, right. this, at this point, the military has kind of taken over this whole project. Like the president, you know, Drumlin, Kits, like they've all kind of pushed her out of her own project. So mm-hmm. she's she's got to find a way back in. And SR Haddon wants to make sure that like she this is her you know her gig her gig yeah exactly so he um he gives her essentially the key to deciphering this code Mm -hmm. that they've sent her which turns out to be the schematics for this transport system and what's crazy is that she thinks he's gonna give her or he's gonna give her the like another image or another sheet but really she's had it in front of her the yeah, whole yeah. time. And instead of looking at it as 2D, he takes all three of the images and combines it into a triangle. He says, if you want to know the, the answer to this, you have to think like a vegan. Right. And that means thinking on multiple dimensions 
to gather up the information and have the primers meet each other. And then, of course, she has to provide this information to the, to the public, to the mm-hmm. national security, to the, to the president. And, and so what this, so it's, um, at first they don't know what it is. They don't know what this thing is that they want um, the humans to build. But is it a weapon? Is it a weapon? Is it, is it a it... transportation device? Like what? Is it an encyclopedia ex- galactica? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, it turns out to be a transport system, but it's only for one occupant. Yes. So, Just one. So they want someone to be sent to Vega mm-hmm. to communicate. They want to communicate with us. Um, so then it starts this huge madness yeah they they basically find um multiple people who have served in the military who have had all of these accomplishments philosophers yes all different walks of life they they have to sit in front of a panel of uh basically government officials um to determine who gets to go who who gets to go and one of those people on the committee is is paul joss he's like the spiritual the Christian philosopher, if you will, and, yeah. and he, you know, so it becomes a question of, you know, who do we send? Who, who do, well, who's the one person that we can send to represent the whole human race? And lo and behold, one of the competitors is Drumlin. Yeah. So Drumlin and... Her nemesis. Her, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drumlin and Ellie are in, in the running together. There's eight other, um... Uh, candidates who mm-hmm. who mysteriously start dropping out of well and and the rate and the if you th- exactly and if you think about it like putting myself in their shoes like if I had children they have one guy who was like I I just I don't think I can do it because of my kids and the kids like don't go daddy like <laughs> please don't go and it but it makes sense because what what if this thing fails oh see i think i totally think the opposite i think that they were like buying people they were like telling oh. people to not i didn't even think they're like it. we need drumlin to be in it so <gasps> you just you just don't you don't want to go you don't you got a family well, you don't want to go you know that's a great that's if you if you look at it that you can look at it that way you could also say that part where um, Palmer, you know, wants to know why she wants to go. And then during the time when she's being interviewed, he asks her, are you, do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. And of course, she's really pissed she's, off about this. Right. Because he, she already knows, he knows the answer. But what he was doing is saying, you know, I really don't want you to go because I feel something. There, right. There's this metaphysical thing going on along with science. It's, it's engaging but counteracting one another all the time throughout the whole movie. Yeah, right? one of, I think like I mean I arguably the made the most major theme of this movie is, you know, how do science and religion coexist? You know, how do we how do we put our faith in science and in something else? And and else? she he challenges challenges they challenge each other by mm-hmm. this but she says uh, you know, how do you know you're not deluding yourself and he says, you know, uh, here's how I know. And she goes, well, how can you tell me that I, I'm not the right person to understand this? And he says, did you love your father? Yep. And she says, I did. And he says, prove it. Yeah. So this so, constant battle yes. is going on all the and, time. And that's one of the big things is while she is sitting in front of this panel, they ask her, you know, what are your views on religion? And she has to stay true to herself. And she says in front of the whole panel that she does not believe in God. And she doesn't say she doesn't say the words "I don't believe in God," right. but she is clear that she has a um, that she's atheist. It's pretty clear that she does not believe in God, although she doesn't say it. Right. She believes in science. Yes. She she has had no evidence to support the existence of a supreme being. Exactly. But you know, and she and it you know, she doesn't have a problem with mm-hmm. I mean, she has this romance with Palmer Joss who's a Christian, you know, an all out, you know, she doesn't have a problem with it. It's just not one of her personal beliefs. And so ultimately they decide that a person that is not religious cannot represent and Palmer Earth. and Drum- Drumlin gets the pick. Yeah. And Drumlin gets Gets to go, and, and, no. so, and you're kind of, and like I was heartbroken. I was too. You know, watching it again, I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, no, you're not truly like.
like the best person. No, exactly. And I thought I was like, you know what? This God, you know, but she's such a good person because she was still, she was still out there to, to watch the test. And she was gracious. Yeah, Yeah. She was very gracious. She had to do a test run and, but, but going out there to the event, going there, she was in a car and I'm not kidding you. It, the whole, it, it was miles and miles of land covered with people who were oh, yeah. protesting. Right. It was like the a religious. Wood, yeah. It was like a Woodstock for aliens. Yeah. It was insane. There were people singing, you know, I feel hymns. like that would be, uh, this movie I feel like is the most accurate representation of what would happen if, yeah. you know, if we did have contact with some kind of otherworldly being. 100%. So like, so after a person, well, I, I can't remember if it's after they've chosen the, the person, but they, they start construction on this, transport system in Cape Canaveral Mm -hmm. and when they're you know they finish it it looks awesome it's It's like it's (laughs) oh it's so cool it's mag like the magnitude of this device yeah is it's incredible huge um so they send so they're the day comes where they have to do a test they have to test and see if this is going to work so they send Drumlin up and you know everything seems to be going well everything's Seems to be fine. Um, and then as Jodie Foster is looking at, you know, the, the security cams and stuff, she sees the face of one of the religious protesters mm-hmm. in the testing in area. In the testing area. And she's like, oh, shit. And she's seen this guy before. Yeah, he's not supposed to be there. Yeah, she, she knows she he's not supposed to drumming. be there. Yeah, so she gets on the radio immediately and she's like, "This, there's a guy right behind you who's not supposed to be there. I've seen him before. He's not supposed to be there. And mind you, at this point, the, the device is at full speed. Almost. It was at like 40%. So they're they're going. They're like, everything's good. Everything, You know, they've got the, the rings spinning. Yeah, to you for know, a visual, it's like a huge ball and these gigantic rings are circling it. And the speed was, I mean, uh, huge. If you, yeah, if you were measuring the speed of it at 40%, you're looking at like 90 plus miles an hour. Yeah. So it was going so fast. So it's well underway. And they say, okay, they say, you know, stop, emergency stop immediately. Mm-hmm. And then she looks on a different camera and from a different angle and sees that this guy has a thing in his hand. Yeah. He, and I'm like, like a trigger. Yeah. And she's, and she goes, he's, it's a bomb. He's got a bomb. And he, they don't get to him in time and he sets off the bomb and it just explodes. explodes. It there gets are pe- destroyed. Pieces are flying at the test site. Oh like people, are, people are screaming and running. It's, it's a full on terrorist attack event. Yep. And at this point they think this, this is it. We're done. We're done. That's it. Like it's over. There's no other device. Like we don't have the, the funds and America is basically at this point pulled pulled the fuck out. Yeah. Drumlin's dead. Drumlin's <laughs> Drumlin's is dead. dead. A lot of the you know a lot of the scientists that that worked on it are dead. Um, and so yeah, you're kind of thinking, well, what what's next? what do we do now? So Jodie Foster gets back to her hotel room, or I don't know, I can't remember if it's a hotel room, but anyway, she gets back to her room and she sees her computer, or her room all set up with computers and TV screens, and she's like, like, what is going on? And it turns out it's it's good old Haddon. Good old Haddon. And he's, what does he say, Dad? Well, when she contacts him, she asks him, "Where are you? On, where are you?" And he says, "I'm on the space station near." Yeah, he's Russians have given me permission because I've got cancer and the low gravity, low oxygen helps stops from helping uh, or from advancing the cancer. So, yeah, and this is where he instructs her on something that she hasn't seen, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it turns out that there's a second machine that was built by the subcontractors through his corporation in yep. Japan and they still want an American to go and he says want to take a wanna ride want to take a ride take a ride <laughs> so Ellie's My like part. hell yeah so she's she immediately goes to Japan um she you couldn't get me there Dude, fast at enough. that like, point uh, and they put her on a ship she's on a ship at the the whole station yeah actually is on a ship right because the location of the device where they built and 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 how <laughs> fucking cool is it that at this whole time that in america they were building this japan was like we got you fam <laughs> we fucking got you we got you <laughs> 
Um, I lost it at that point. Actually, I lost it at the point when Adam was like, want a bigger ride? I... <laughs> Dad, how many times had you and I rewinded that part? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. I remember standing up in front of the TV, like, little, going, yeah! It's, oh, it's so good. So you're finally, I, you finally feel satisfied. Like Ellie's going to get to go. It's yes. her discovery. She gets to go. Mm-hmm. And she, <gasps> and she's on the ship and Palmer, and Palmer shows up. He shows up. So yeah, heart. Palmer shows up and you're, and cause he, he's totally in love with her. With her and, and from the beginning of the movie, he, gave, he had a box of Cracker Jack. Oh yeah. And in there was a, 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 compass. a compass and he gave it to her and she was just like, I think you're going to need this more than me, buddy. Well, and then, well, and then <laughs> and like, like back to him. Well, yeah. So in the next, within the next like five years or however long this movie is, she kind of, they give it back to each other yes. a couple times. Well, like, he, well, he, that's the, that's the point. Cause like she gave it mm-hmm. back to him and then left him cold Turkey. Oh yeah. And then when he saw her on the ship, he, he gave it back to her. Yeah. And so <laughs> and it's there. They have a, they share a moment and he's like, he's like, you know, the reason that, that I asked you that question the first time at the, you know, at the meeting was because I wanted you to stay and yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't want to lose you. Yeah. And so they have this, you know, romantic kind of scene before she goes off to to space because he said you know he says you you know who knows how long you'll be gone and 50 years saved her life oh yeah Mm -hmm. you know she she would have been dead had he had not you know interjected that question of faith oh my god i didn't Mm -hmm. even think about that Mm -hmm. (gasps) oh my god So Robert Zemeckis actually wanted Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey's relationship to kind of be a metaphor for like, you know, religion and science can coexist. Like we can still be, you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be an opposing force. It can, it can be something that brings us together. Which it Um, does. Which it does. And, you know, even though Jodie Foster is on the science side of it and um, Matthew McConaughey's kind I'm mean, kind of is but is way more on the spiritual side like they still love and respect each other right. and you know want what's best for for each other so which I thought was really really nice which, which was really brilliant on the side of Carl Sagan who mm-hmm. was trying to at, you know get the target audience on both sides of the spectrum to understand that premise so that they could really follow the whole movie exactly mm-hmm. so the day comes where it's time for her to go you know, they're like, it's time to suit up. And you can tell she's like, she's contemplating everything. She's nervous as fuck. She, they got her all strapped up in her gear. And yeah, they, they don't know if she's coming back. They've put her, um, they've got a, a microphone with a video camera attached to her headset so they can kind of see her. But what's crazy is that they get her, they get her on the ship, on the ship. I call it a ship, you know, whatever. Um, but there's one gentleman who's escorting her up to the ship. The door opens, she goes in, and she sits in this chair. And mm-hmm. what's crazy is that she was kind of upset about the chair because the schematics did not show a chair. They just showed an orb and a person inside. So she, she you know, whatever, she sits in the chair. And as she looks over to the door, it shuts, and, and the seals. seams of the yeah. door disappear yeah she's literally going oh my god and as they do the people back on the ship are are seeing her video and and uh the control center yeah and it kind of like a wave goes over the the video surveillance um like a disturbance as the door sealed yep and so at this point um you know she she's she's starting to say you know i'm i'm ready when all of a sudden the speed starts picking up the the uh the rings around the orb are going faster and faster and faster and they lose audio and video yep. on Nelly. And they're like, you know, should we stop it? Should we should we, you know, completely cancel out of the mission? And just the slightest uh what her friend, I I'm so sad. Well, he's, he's the doctor. He's blind. He, yeah. He's there. He can hear her. He gets on the headset and he hears. They're ready to terminate the whole thing because yeah. there's this giant ball of fire that's going on because the whole thing is at 100. percent 
and they're ready to abort because they don't know if they should do it. And he says, wait a minute, I hear her. And she says, okay I'm, to go. I'm okay to go. She goes, okay he to said, go. He asks us some control again. He says, you know, what does it look like? He says, it's red hot, but on the inside, everything is like calm. All of her vitals are good. They, they, yeah. they are recording her vitals. So, the, so, so they, they, yeah, so they decide to keep going. Yeah. They're like, all right, they, we're just going to keep going. So three, two, one. It, it's on. And then the and pod, the ball, yeah, the pod falls. Drops. But from her perspective, she's going through some kind of wormhole. Yeah. And time has kind of stood still, but she's traveling at a, at a rate of speed that's just phenomenal, unheard of. And she she's going, th- just like you said, through a wormhole. And she can see out of this, what looks like a translucent um, window in front of her. There's no window itself, but you can see through the ship. And you can see a galaxy and what's crazy is, is that her chair is sh- like pulsating like crazy. Yeah, it's shaking like and crazy. as it's shaking, the compass shows The compass again. on her, around her neck is just floating. floating so elegantly. So she's just like, fuck this. And she unbuckles herself. <laughs> she unsnaps herself from the chair and she starts floating through the orb because it, it is 100% safe for her. Yeah, and so she goes. She looks out her little window of her pod, and she sees this entire galaxy, mm-hmm. and is just brought to tears because it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's never. I mean, she's never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. And the chair's the chair's still shaking, and all of a sudden it snaps off, and it's just peace. Yeah. And then as she's looking at this galaxy outside of this translucent window. She's everything goes dark and she starts floating mm-hmm. like like she's well, in the she's fetal so position in awe of what she's seeing. She even makes the comment that they should have sent a poet because she can't describe the beauty that she's witnessing before she falls into that little. Um, yes, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. And she, she's floating. She's what I thought it was crazy because she's floating down onto this beautiful white sanded beach and out of Which her. is what she drew when she was a kid. Yeah, it was Pensacola, Florida. And she's falling onto the sand and she lands on her feet and she puts her hands out and touches what almost looks like fluid, but yeah. she can breathe. And you can see planets out in the in in space. Oh, so sick. Instead of just stars. What it is, is it's really a hologram. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's in a hologram and, and she, it looks like she's floating down, but the hologram is actually coming up to her, meets with her, and then all these weird things start to occur. She starts to realize that she is in something because she can touch it. Right. It's right. not that far away. And then in the distance... She starts seeing this... This, what, what? this character form. Yeah. Some kind of thing is is and approaching you, and you can't make you can't make sense of it and it starts getting closer and closer and closer and it's her dad it's her dad which really pissed me off in the movie i know i yeah, wanted it, it to be an alien <laughs> i was thinking what are they doing this is a science movie exactly. this isn't about well, god Come and on. yeah so he you know he kind the he kind of tells her oh, just fell over. <laughs> lord i'm sorry oh god carl carl forgive us <laughs> this is all we have of you um <laughs> So the the alien decided that having you know representing her father, her you know having him kind of look like her dad is something that her brain can wrap itself around. Yeah, it can, it can, it's more of a comfort, right. so she's not panic stricken by. But that's why the, the and at first she embraces him because she thinks it's right. him. Oh. And he said, "We thought it would be better for you this way," and she realizes, "Okay, this isn't my dad. This is." some alien being but then she realizes like you've been in my brain like you know you downloaded you can my see, thoughts yeah you, you yeah. can see everything that you know that that i am and so like they're they have this like really amazing conversation about this is key it, it is this, i mean all of it boils down to this moment yes you know this moment of you know why why us like and why haven't you why haven't you come and like why can't we show you and he right. says this is how we've done it for thousands of years for, for billions, billions. For billions of years. years sorry my yeah. bad yeah. my bad <laughs> yeah yeah um, says, well, you know do we get to come back and he says well this is your first step in time right. there'll be another yeah. Me- meaning your people can only um, 
understand this depth of this at the very beginning stages of your evolution as a species right. in time, we'll do this again and we'll, we'll give you more awareness and more discovery about who you are and what you represent as a species. And then he makes re- reference to, you have your mother's hands. Mm-hmm. He says, you're an interesting species, an yeah. interesting mix. I thought that was oh, extremely an interesting important. mix. Yeah, yeah. You well, yeah, because he says you have such beautiful, beautiful dreams, dreams but such, such terrible, terrible nightmares. nightmares. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so true. So yeah, it, and, it, he, and he really he says this too. He says you feel so alone and so caught off, but what what keeps the sanity behind everything is knowing that we're all together. We're all here in the cosmos together. You're right. not alone. Right. That was huge. It well, was. and that's and and it it I have I. I believe, in my personal opinion, I'm not trying to speak for anybody, but to me, that's what a religious experience would seem like. You know, you, you're yes. a, a being that doesn't live here is telling you, hey, everything's okay. Like, you're yeah, not alone, the, you know? The parallel between these two factors just runs hand in hand. Right. From the very beginning to the very end. So you can't really position yourself either, either way, way, even at the ending of the movie. Right. Yeah, it... it, it blurs that line of you know what what is i mean you have faith in science how is that any different from having faith in something else so it yeah it becomes this like kind of weird spiritual religious experience for ellie and then when she comes out of it oh god she drops straight through straight through nothing so so to the outs so she's spending all this time with this alien right and she wakes up and she says what day is it and they're like what do you mean what day is it she thinks she's she's been gone for days so what happened was an einstein bridge of time occurred where Mm -hmm. it went through in seconds but to her 18 hours had passed right that's important so they go they go you know what um we just saw you fall through the rings. Yeah. We didn't see... You, nothing happened. We didn't record anything. Anything. Straight through. And, and on there... I mean, the only thing that they have of her was before when they had surveillance and then after when she was asking what day it was. Yeah. So not only... So she comes back and not only um, did she have this experience, but now she's put in a position where she doesn't have any evidence to back it up. No. She doesn't. And and from you can tell from this point, she, I mean, she has to go through like a psychological evaluation. She mm-hmm. has to go through a physical mm-hmm. and you can see the look on her face like, how do I, how do I explain, how do I do this? And how do I explain this? Right. And people what are, happened to me? And everyone's treating her like she's a crazy person. Yeah. They like, think she's insane. And there's tons and tons of people out there who are like, what did she go through? Da, 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 da. Yeah. I mean, putting yourself in a position like that, like... What, how would you feel? I thought about that all the time. Mm -hmm. If I were to put myself in Nellie's shoes to think, I just experienced something that not one other person on this planet or for the next billion years or so will ever experience or ever know. Right. And that's crazy to go, the the psychological issues that I would have later down the road. But then she becomes the very person that she kind of criticized like she becomes a person that believes something happened to her but she has no evidence to back it up right so she you you know she's having to she's needing people to rely on faith which is something that she wasn't mm-hmm. ready to do with or ever with admit or, or support right. either so that's a huge that's the biggest thing i think in the movie is you know what how science and religion are more closely related than we think. Mm-hmm. And they're more, you know, just because you have faith in science and faith in God are pretty much the same ideologies. Like right. you believe in science. You know, I believe in science personally. I believe, so you know, I. I believe in empirical evidence and things like that. Um, but I also can't deny that, there are experiences that we have that can't be explained. Not at all. That can't be explained with just with empirical evidence. And how do you how do you balance that? You know, exactly. how do you kind of you know, how do you stay true to yourself and r- rationalize what you've experienced? Right. You know. And and at this point, um, Nellie has to sit in front of a jury. Yeah. And basically 
you know, they're, they're, they're criticizing her the entire time. Yeah, she like, has to defend herself. Yeah, what, what do you have to say? Like, we spent all this money, like, da-da-da-da-da. What do you have to say for yourself? And she says, I had this experience, experience this yeah. moment where I, I was able to, you know, I, I can't explain it. It's yeah. basically what she says. Yeah. And at that moment, she looks over and sees Palmer. Palmer. And he just like, oh, just thinking about it makes me want to cry because they haven't understood. Like at they, that moment, they have they, an understanding now. 100%. Yeah. Like <laughs> she, she couldn't explain it. He can't explain it, but they feel it in their soul, in their right. being, in their body. Like they know it happened. Yeah. And not any person on this planet can believe them or wants to believe them, but it happened for them. And that's just like you were saying, Sheridan, you, people who are religious and they have their experiences that they've had in their lives, whether it's a near-death experience or they, they end up dying mm-hmm. and they go to heaven or whatever that they, they, they think they're going and they can't explain it. Well, that that's that's theirs. Yeah. And that one person and only that person doesn't mean we have to believe them, but you have to have an understanding that people have experiences that we don't we can't understand or we can't you know prove that we can't prove Mm -hmm. yeah exactly no evidence right and so dad i figured you'd like to explain the last part of the movie (laughs) because for years i never caught it (laughs) i was just a child the the part where um she goes outside and and uh she sits in the in the car and someone asks you know do you believe her uh, to, to Palmer and, and he says, I for one do believe her. And I think the parallel in that is there, there's so much controversy in, in our present uh, culture about the good of science and the good of religion and how it works hand in hand, how it can be you know, thought of in tandem. Um, and you, you both make a good point. You know, I think that it's trying to emphasize that no one's wrong um, we just have to work together. And when they talk about, you know, that we're not alone and that we're together as a people, it kind of says that in, in terms of, you know, who we are as a human species on this planet, we should be working together. We should be thinking um, in terms of what's right for our, our, our species and, and not so much the gain of, of culture or individualism, but more for the sense of the overall human uh, species species altogether, you know, and I think Carl Sagan does a really good job in, in this movie. The book is a lot different, um, only because he is a professor of science. He wants to teach the public about the good of science and why it's important to keep moving forward with science. I think he did a good job with the help of Robert Zemeckis in this film because uh, I think Bob was able to really formulate his ideas into the movie, and yet um, we still have problems today with understanding science and the good of science. Um, and you know, if you know Carl Sagan's history, he started the show Cosmos back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. He was trying to informationalize science, you know, for eighth grade level understanding and. He did a fantastic job, I think. And a lot of that's lost today. We're talking about a, a movie that came out in 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 97, yeah. You know, and he wrote the book in 79. Um, it was published in 1980. A number of, of directors turned down the the, the, the production. Yeah. Um, and then Robert Zemeckis picked it up, which was a huge thing because he's extremely popular. He did Back to the Future. He did Forrest Gump. Um, and, and do you notice there's something in the score of this movie that is synonymous with uh, Robert Zemeckis? Robert Zemeckis likes to work with, I think, is it Hans Zimmer that might have no, done No, the, the, the music was by Alan Silvestri. There you go. Who did a lot of like the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, and if you listen to this movie and Forrest Gump, there's a lot of parallels and similarities of, of that music. And it goes back to Adagio for Strings, which is uh, mm. Samuel Barber. Yeah. And Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings was played at, um, uh, I just lost my... Uh, Einstein's 
funeral. Oh my gosh. Uh, who's in this, a lot of times they, they make reference to Albert Einstein. Right. And But that music is probably one of the neatest uh, classical scores of all time and they use that music in a lot of those in a lot of those movies and I think it's just to draw you in more oh, to absolutely. what you're watching I think it's really interesting to understand how sound and visual works together mm -hmm. when you're reading a book you can kind of visualize what you perceive and how the book is supposed to transcend through reading but when you watch this movie you get you get it from all angles mm -hmm. you know so it makes the the viewing experience more pleasurable and entertaining mm -hmm. and what what just simply blew my mind was at the very end of the movie they have video footage from when she dropped from the top oh. to the bottom that, yeah and what was incredible is that instead of it just recording the 30 seconds that she dropped it recorded 18 hours of, of footage of static. Yeah, so they do, they don't, they can't see it, but they know now that she was gone for 18 hours. That's right. Yeah. So she continues, so, so she continues to get funding mm -hmm. for VLA. Yep, and, and she teaches. She, and she teaches, yeah. Yeah, she, she continues what she's doing, but she also brings children to the, to the satellite in New Mexico. And do they go public with that? Do they tell everyone, like, do they go public with the eighteen-hour footage? No. no. Okay, that's okay. That's nope. Okay. Okay. They they I hold it, and that you know that just I know. Uh, they're gonna, well, just uh, like when the little boy asks her, you know, is there life out there, and she says, "What do you think?" He goes, "I don't know," and he goes, "Good answer, skeptic." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Which which is what science is. It's you know being skeptic of all things until you've proven it true right. is basically the premise of science. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that that gets brought up a lot in the movie. It, oh, it's so good. It is. It's so good for for sci-fi fans, mm -hmm. for, I mean, for anyone. Romance, drama. Oh, yeah. Um, Jody. okay, and I will. I have to say this. I have to do a shout-out to Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Jodie, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> um, I love she, you. She always, I, I love her movies because she always plays such a strong female, female character. Lead. Yeah. And I, I grew up. You know, I in the early '90s, and I watched a lot of her movies in the early '90s, *Times of the Lambs* and stuff. And she's always, we have got she, to do an episode. On she's Science been of my idol. Like, <laughs> I she has really shown me that like you can be an a serious actor and a well-respected actor and play respected roles. Like, not just be the the pretty girl or not just be the the side chick. Like, right? She was no nonsense. Like. If she got cut funding from something, she was gonna find it somewhere else. Like exactly. she's like, I've I've gone gone it alone before. I can do it again. When like, we were in theater, I did a scene, and I don't even remember what it was, but I remember crying because Beal Corey Beal, shout out, um, he was our theater teacher. Yeah. Came up to me and he was like, "This was awesome. You reminded me of Jodie Foster." Oh and my I was gosh. Like, <laughs> Good. She, I, huge I love influence. her. Um, yeah, huge influence on me growing up. But if it's a really, really great movie because I've all I've always kind of struggled with those the major questions that this movie brings up, and it kind right. of gives it kind of gives you a a more hopeful um, perspective perspective yeah. on science and religion. It, mm -hmm. It's like I, like I said before, it's it, it, Zemeckis was trying to make a movie that is stating, you know, hey, science and religion doesn't have to be this head-to-head. -head. Yeah, this opposing thing. You can you can have both. And that's what I thought, too. Uh, I, For years, I've, I've always been a woman of science. Mm -hmm. um, and well, It's interesting. If you look at Jodie Foster, she is in real life an atheist. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and for me, it was just... Um, it was an eye-opening movie, even watching it from as a child and as an adult. Not feeling so angry about disproving someone's belief belief i shouldn't have to do that it's not it's none of my business all i can do in my lifetime is educate people and and support what i believe in and and have everybody do the same for themselves there there's no need to put somebody down for something that they truly experienced and believe in you know i can sit here all day and Say it's bullshit, but that's not fair. Yeah. You know, that's not fair for anybody. I think Carl Sagan is, is rolling over in his grave right now for all those people out there that say the world is flat. 
Oh, oh God. my. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. I'm just so confused. I, by that. We're, uh, we're supposed to be advancing, people. We're not supposed to be going back. If you think the world is flat, just fall off of it. <laughs> just take a ship and get out. You know what? I, I say... there. I... I'll, this is what I'll say on the matter. There was a, a documentary on Netflix called Behind the Curve, and it's about the Flat Earth Movement. And it's fascinating. You should all watch it because it's terrifying. There are hundreds of thousands of people just in the U.S. that believe, the, genuinely believe the Earth is flat. And so Carl what Sagan disproved that in, in his Cosmos s- shows. So what they're doing is they're asking for government funding to do tests. And I'm like... Okay. On what? Here's all the money you need to do any test you want. That's what I say. Give <laughs> oh them the money. God. And it's funny because in the documentary, they do these different, all these different tests to prove that the earth is flat. And every single time, the, guess what? The yeah, they're Greeks, wrong. The Greeks in ancient Greece knew that the world was round by doing one simple test. Right. They had two people at two uh, obelisks that are really tall that point up to the sky and one of them was at one at Alexandria, and the other one was at another about 500 miles away. Mm-hmm. And at the very same time, one casted a very small shadow, and the other one casted a very broad sc- sc- right. uh, shadow, which meant that the Earth was round. Right. Yeah. And they knew exactly the circumference of that just based off of that little test, and they were only a few hundred uh, miles off. And this was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I think that we can, you know... When you look up at the sky, can, do you see a flat moon? Right. <laughs> well, well that's, that, that's, what, yeah, that's the thing. It's a projection. Oh, my That's God. the thing. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's not what this podcast is oh about. My God. Um, kind of. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's an amazing. When you blow up a balloon, is it square? Uh oh! If you have not seen Contact, I'm not saying you're fucking up, but you are. You're not making so, decisions that are beneficial. Yeah, you. I don't know why you haven't done this, but if you haven't. You'll get a pass just this one time. Watch the movie, grab some popcorn, make sure your mascara is wiped off. If yeah, because you are going woman, to cry. It's emotional. It's going to make you Do you, you remember think. the popcorn scene? When in, he... In contact? When <laughs> what? Oh, no. Maybe don't get the popcorn. Wait, what? That's Do what you remember we, the popcorn scene? No. Why? That, what's going on? Remember when they were looking in the sky? Oh, <laughs> hey! No. Oh, my God. Don't say that part. Oh, wait, wait, wait. On that, on that topic, though, this was one of the most groundbreaking shots is when Nellie, unfortunately, her father died. He had a heart attack. He went into cardiac arrest, and um, she, she runs down the stairs, and she's like, Dad, you know, I'll get the medicine. And she's running in Towards this scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This scene. I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, what they ended up doing was they, they, uh, they took the camera, and they videotaped her running from the end of the hall in a mirror of the medicine cabinet. So what what it, what we what we see is just her running down the hall. So you just think that there's a camera at the end of the hallway and she's running down the hallway, but it's actually her running towards the cabinet in like the bathroom. The, and so the mirror so what you're actually seeing is a reflection of her. Of her. And yeah. it, it's one of those shots that really t- it, it's it's perspective. Like a lot of it a lot of this movie is is perspective. And like it kind of turns that on its head, and it's a really cool shot. Um, it's an it's an incredible shot. She, she opens up the medicine cabinet and she takes some medicine. And some people say she took the wrong medicine. Uh, it, I don't think it would have really mattered. I think he already had myocardial infarction. Yeah, it was too late. He wasn't going to be able to put, you know, um, some kind of med underneath her tongue, his tongue. Right. But she wasn't going to save him. But she thought that she grabbed the wrong medicine. She mm-hmm. thought that if she got to it sooner, she could have saved his life. She was constantly thinking that science was not working properly, and yeah. that's right. what drives her throughout this whole movie. You know, it's really his death. Yeah, when right. he died, she's sitting on the porch, and the, the priest comes up to her and and says, you know, he's in the, the hands of the Lord, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she just looks at him and says, I should have gotten to the medicine sooner. I would have saved his life. Right. And, and, and yeah, so wow. it's, that's kind of her, your, your first impression and her first 
instance of like you know pushing the religion part of it away exactly you know she's not going to believe that she's That's to show her defense right yeah um yeah, it was but one of the movie. one of the coolest scenes one of the best movies i've ever seen in my life um, it's really great I'll always connect this movie to my dad. <laughs> Aww. Um, it's just uh, it's just where I started this fascination of outer space. Uh, we used to live out in the desert, and there were really no lights out there. And really, the only thing you could do as a kid at nighttime is look up. Yeah. And that's where I just, after seeing this movie and, and understanding that we are so... We seem like, it seems like we're so insignificant, so mm-hmm. small, nothing. So cut off. So cut off from from the, the universe, but are we alone? Yeah. Snare drum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, if you, if you want to find us and follow us, we are on major platforms like Anchor, Spotify. Um, we will soon be on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Flick Chicks Official. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever have submissions that you'd like to hear us do, um, you can always email us at flickchicksofficial at gmail.com. Um, you can find Sheridan at... You can find me on Instagram at yourgoliathpal. And you can find me on Instagram at lunar underscore waifu. Um, we definitely love to hear what you have to say and, uh, and appreciate all of you for listening. If it weren't for you guys, we would be nothing. We, uh, we took your requests on Instagram and we made a list. So, um, so watch out for your favorite movie. Yeah. We're going to, we want to do it. Like if you, the, I was saying this during the Wayne's World podcast, I really like the idea of doing people's favorite movies. So if you have a favorite mm-hmm. movie that you want us, you know, and if hell, if you want to talk about it with us. Email us, um, and we'll DM us on Instagram. Yeah, and we'll set up a time. Be a guest on our show. Yeah, we're always looking for guests. Um, so, is this your favorite movie? This is my favorite okay, movie. Okay, mine is Back to the Future. Oh, Ooh. yeah. I want to do a we, trilogy. We uh, got some people who, who want to see it too, who, who want to cover yeah. it. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. And, and that was another one. We had a discussion about, you know, the second film. What do you think about it? That That is a um, the trilogy. I, I liked all the movies, I like the, the first one the best. But I love all of them. I like the third one, the Western. See? It's, yeah, it. they're so good. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, so shout out. Like, DM us. We're always looking for for people to, to come on or to suggest mm-hmm. movies for us. So um, I hope you like what you heard. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, thank you so much, Dad, for being a guest on our show. This was thank awesome. You. Appreciate we, it. It was, it was uh, amazing being able to hear your intellectual input. Well, I yeah. didn't say much, but yeah. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you nonetheless, and this has been another episode of Flick Chicks. Flick Chicks.